The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! out of Facebook jail, kind of. I'm on parole. I'm not really out of Facebook jail. I'm, I'm on parole. It's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. You know what I was thinking, though, Ben, is maybe we should be just be doing this all along. We should just do the show on the Valley Patriot page from now on. I looked at I looked at our viewership for last week. We were... We were at about, we were almost at like 3,000 views last week, and I was in Facebook jail. So I'd say I'm not really surprised. So from sharing everything and getting the watch parties and everything, it's almost the same as it was when we were doing it on my page. So let's see what we can't get done here. I had three different people say to me before the show, oh, this is going to be a high-rated show. People definitely want to hear what you have to say about this. And I'm like, actually, no, I don't think anybody wants to hear what I have to say about what's going on. I love that Mike Samad's kicking Joe Solomon on his way out the door, though. Are you surprised? Go, goes to show what kind of classy that guy has. <laughs> I can't believe I was so wrong about somebody. I'm usually really good at that. I'm really usually really good at knowing like who's... Who's a good person? Who's a bad actor? And, wow. Egg on my face for sure. So what we're trying to do now is I'm trying to get a watch party going on my page so we can just get everybody here. Mm. Why not, right? Watch party. Because I could just start the show. going to get it that way either. They don't make it easy, that's for sure. So I'm, I can technically post on Facebook, but I'm in, I'm on parole. I can't go live for 30 days, 60 days. For 60 days, I can't go live, so we got to do this on the show. I don't think we've actually ever actually gone to the end of the song at the beginning of the show before, have we? No. Not since I've been here. All right. Hi, how you guys doing? My name is Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. So what's going on in the news today, folks? Anything good? No? Wow, what a crazy, crazy week we had this week. Um, and it's only Thursday. The week's not even over. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? We've got a guest we're going to get to in a couple of seconds, Joe Bevilacqua from the Chamber of Commerce. Known him for a long time. Known his sons for a long time. Um, does a lot for the community. I thought maybe he could come in. We could talk about business and what they're doing for business and what um, the government should be doing for businesses right now as we all try to recover from the mandatory lock- the foolish, ridiculous mandatory lockdowns that we've had to deal with. Uh, before we do, though, a couple things in the news. Democrats just can't help themselves. Just can't help themselves. 
they've got the White House. They've got the Senate. They've got the House. They're going to be able to appoint all the judges that they want. They're going to have zero opposition on anything that they want. And they're still not happy. They're still not happy. And I see, actually, it, it's funny, that the parallels, because it's happening today, the parallel between Mike Samad and the Methuen City Council and the Democrats in Congress. And it's like a mirror image of each other. It's, it's like the council, some of these councilors wanted nothing more than Joe Solomon to be gone, the Methuen police chief. Because he makes too much money, therefore that makes him corrupt, I guess, in their mind. And they spent the last year and a half calling him a crook, saying he was involved in criminal conspiracies, by the way, none of which was ever proven, even by the IG report. The IG, none of the management reports, none of that ever said any of that. It said other stuff, but it didn't say that. And yet you would think guys like Mike Samad and all these other guys, you'd think that they would be DJ Borogod, the grandstander, grandstanding DJ. You would think these guys would be happy and they would just move forward, right? No, 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 no. Front page of today's trip which I don't encourage anybody to read, but from page today's trip, they're just kicking him on his way out the door. And it's no different than what the Democrats are doing in Washington. You got what you wanted, and you're still kicking Trump on his way out the door. Let's be real. Have you ever seen a really happy Democrat? No, actually, you're right. At the national level, when it comes to politicians, there are really no happy Democrats. They're, all, they're always outraged and angry about something. And I, I think what really puzzled me, though, and why there's no pushback by anybody in the American public except for maybe Fox News, which I don't encourage anybody to watch, um, is that is that they they have they have everything that they, I'm flustered. They have everything that they want, and they're going after they're going after uh, 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 Donald Trump, and they're going to end up creating. I lost my thought, so I'm just going to move forward. They're going to end up creating sympathy for him by the end of the day, right? Because they're going to, because they're so angry, they're going back to, they're never happy. They're so angry that they have to make everything about racism. And if something's not about racism, make it about racism anyway. And I don't understand. I heard like yesterday, I, I refuse to watch any of the impeachment except for, I flipped it on for three seconds and I heard white supremacy, Nazis, Hitler, white supremacy, KKK. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Like, what does it have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with anything. But you know what's going to happen once Trump is gone and they don't have Trump to kick around anymore? They're going to keep kicking him. And they're going to keep talking about white supremacy. And they're going to keep talking about KKK. And none of that is really even close to, like, the greatest threat that this country faces. Like, you want to talk about white supremacists? I actually know some white supremacists. There's, like, nine of them in the country. Right? Most people want nothing to do with them. Most of their families want nothing to do with them. They do exist. Every once in a while, they might get together in a coffee shop somewhere. But what we saw at the Capitol with the, with the insurrection at the Capitol, with the, with the violence at the Capitol, all of those people should be in jail. But what we saw, those people weren't white supremacists. Those people weren't members of the KKK. In fact, some of them were left-wing Antifa members. Some of them were left-wing Black Lives Matter members. But what's interesting, though, Ben, and, and I... And I, I I watched last week's show like three times just so that I could see, and I like Neil Perry. He's a good guy, and I love that he's here, but I, I like to use him as like the, the rat in the experiment. <laughs> I like to throw little things out to, just to see how brainwashed he is by the media. So I want you guys to go back to last week's show, and I want you to notice something. I want you to watch it again, and I, this is what I want you to notice. When I said anything about leftism, leftists or Democrats, he immediately interrupted me and said, no, that's not true. 
when I said, uh, look, the far left wants socialism and communism. No, no, they don't. Not all of them. No, 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 they don't. No, they don't. Because we are programmed by the media, by Hollywood, by our education institutions to have knee-jerk reactions to certain things so that we don't even ever consider what someone's saying when they say it. But in the next breath, I said, and what's wrong with the far right is that they don't want any government. They want no, they don't even want the, the government, the USDA to inspect your meat. And you know what he didn't do? Not all of them. He, no, 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 it isn't. That's not true. Not all of them. He didn't, he didn't accuse you of generalizing. Right. That. But when I said something about Democrats or leftists, it was immediately don't generalize. But when we talked about the Trump supporters, he generalized. He generalized. Mm. Not only did he let me generalize, he generalized. And so I use this as kind of like a teaching moment for people. We are programmed, even those of us who think that we're not, even myself sometimes, we are programmed to have knee-jerk reactions. We're programmed to be triggered by certain things and stop listening. At one point during my show last week, Neil, not only did he stop me from talking, he rudely stopped me from talking by going, wait, 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 wait. And he kept saying, wait, until I stopped. Because we can't paint with a broad brush. I feel like I'm sitting with, with, with Bob LeBlanc again. <laughs> can't be with a broad brush. And then you say, all the Trump supporters are evil. Yeah, that's right. All, support, all Trump supporters are evil. Don't label and stereotype unless you're labeling and stereotyping the other guys. Then it's okay. But if you're labeling and stereotyping people that I politically sympathize with, no, 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 you can't. No, 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 not all leftists are bad. No, not all communists are bad. Not all, not all Nazis are bad. Not all, not all Nazis exterminated Jews, you know. Can't, can't, no, we can't, can't. So I want you to go back and I, and I want you to take a look at that because we all do it, even myself. And um, we're also brainwashed, and I say this a lot on this show, but I, I, I keep coming back to it because it bears repeating until we, get, until we figure it out. A general statement does not cover all. And this, we should have learned in fifth grade, but our public education system is just pathetically inapt. inapt. If I say women are better nurturers than men, and I always use this example so people can't like argue the example. If I say women are better nurturers than men, and there's five people in the room, at least one smart ass in the room is going to say, not all women, not all women. I know this one guy down the street, and he stays home and takes care of his kid while his wife's work. That wife guy works. breastfeeds. Right, yeah, he breastfeeds and everything, right? And then you have to stop the discussion to have a mechanical language discussion with them and remind them that a general statement doesn't mean everyone. There's an exception to every rule and the exception doesn't negate the rule. So the fact that you know a guy next door who's better nurturing than his wife does not negate my statement because my statement is a general statement which covers most, not all. Okay. And I went back and I watched yesterday's uh, last week's show, and it was like it was I could I could teach a college class using that show, like I could I could teach a full college class just using last week's show. And Neil's a pretty bright guy, right? Like he's really in tune with a lot more things than most people are, as I am. And yet he still was here going, no, 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 not all, not all. And I'm not sure why we we as intelligent thinking beings have accepted that. And fall for it. But even I do it. I, I catch myself when I try to do it. Because then I hear myself lecturing me and then I stop. But uh, they went through with the impeachment yesterday. And I've got one question for those of you who are happy about yesterday's impeachment. Quite frankly, I couldn't give a damn. And okay, they're going to impeach him nine more times before he leaves. It doesn't matter. So let me ask you guys who liked the impeachment, who wanted the impeachment. What's different today? Anybody? You in the yellow car? 
Nothing, right? There's nothing as different today than it was yesterday. Except a political party now gets bragging rights over another political party. Quite frankly, I would have thought, and we're going to talk to Joe in a couple of seconds, from Joe Bevilacqua from the uh, Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce, I would have thought the minute the election was over and they knew that they won and the Democrats had all the levers of power, they would have immediately had an emergency session to push through a $2,000 stimulus plan for you for your business, for your home, for you. So you can get back on your feet. So you can pay those back electric bills. You can pay those back heating bills. You can pay those back Verizon bills. But they didn't. They proved this week, they proved yesterday, they don't give two shits about you or me or my business or your business. What they care about is politics. And by the way, the media is no better. The media now, for some reason, the media now thinks politics is news. Politics isn't news. I watched CNN for the last five days. I didn't see one actual news story. Not one story about a cop that got shot, a missing kid, a fire in Miami, a tornado in Kansas. Not one actual legitimate news story about something that just happened. It's all politics 24-7, and that's part of the problem. Politics is not news. Politics can be news. You know, your Congress passes something that's important, that's news, but the media doesn't cover it that way. They don't cover it like, hey, the Congress just came out and they passed a new trade deal with Taiwan, and his, here's what's in the bill. They don't say that. They'll come out and they'll say, Congress just passed a law with a tri- for a trade deal with Taiwan, and the Democrats said Donald Trump never should have done it because he's a racist and a white supremacist. That's what you get. You don't get actual news. And I really want to bring back Fred and Meredith. It's my goal for the year. My, my uh, New Year's resolution is to bring back Fred and Meredith to do news on the show. Because I liked it better when we started the show with hard news, and then I gave my opinion about stuff, and then we, and then we did other things. A um, couple things on the Joe Solomon thing before we wrap up uh, my, my opening rant. Uh, Joe Solomon is resigning. I'm not sure, though, and I did speak to him at least twice, and I forgot to ask him, when that resignation is effective. Like, is it effective the end of the year? Is it effective tomorrow? Does he leave like mid-January? When is he going to go? And I, I didn't think to ask him when I, when I talked to him. Um, but now Methuen's got a real problem because there's still $4 million missing out of the school department. Nobody ever investigated Judy Scandal. Nobody ever investigated how she got elevated to the position of superintendent when she wasn't even certified as a principal when she applied for the superintendent's job. And we had all of the candidates here last year during debates, and they all said, we demand answers. We demand names. We want to know how this happened. This can never happen again. And the minute they got elected, they forgot Judy Scandal. They, 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 didn't, don't give two dams about the $4 million missing out of the school department. And it all became Joe Solomon's the boogeyman. And we're going to attack Joe Solomon at every meeting. And we're going to talk about corruption. And we're going to, and we're going to grandstand. I love DJ Borgat. He's the best. <laughs> no, because you know what? He's making all the same mistakes that I made when I first got elected to the Lawrence School Committee. I was young. I was 26 when I got elected. And I did all the same stupid shit DJ's doing. And it had horrible consequences long term. And, I, and I've twice now said to him, listen, I know you're not going to listen to me because I know there's a, 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 form, a, certain, a, a certain former mayor that tells you everything to do, and you just do what he tells you to do, and I get that. But I'm telling you as someone who was there, I was 26 when I first got elected. I served three years in the Lawrence School Committee. I did all the same stupid shit you're doing, and it had horrible long-term consequences. Trust me when I tell you, he can't help himself. Can't help him. I flip on RKO, and he's he's... 
trying so hard to get that word corruption out, and they only gave him like, gave him like 30 seconds. He's supposed to be on for the hour. But you know, Howie, Howie's word is with shit. So he tells you you're going to be on for an hour, and you get a minute and a half as the music's playing toward the end of the hour to go into news. And he's trying so hard to get the word corruption in. Corruption, corruption, it's corruption! And he thinks that that's going to please the voters, as I thought it would please the voters when I was on the Lawrence School Committee. But what you find out later on, and it's too late for DJ now, so I don't mind saying it, is that there are a lot more people who support Joe Solomon than you think. And they're not going to say it publicly, just like with Donald Trump. They're not going to say it publicly. They're not going to say it out loud. They're not going to call you on the phone or send you an email. But the next time you run, they're going to be holding a sign for someone else. And they're going to remember. And so while you think you've got the average person on your side, not as many as you might think. And it's going to have long-term consequences. I remember I got elected in 1990. God, I'm so freaking old. In 1995, I took office in 1996. And at my first two meetings, I attacked Jim Scully. And Jim Scully was on the free. He was the boogeyman back then. Everybody was mad at Jim Scully because look at how much money he makes. It was the same thing. So I got elected, and I, my first meeting, I attacked Jim Scully and thought that was going to be great. And I got all kinds of people encouraging me afterwards. Tom, that was great. You really tucked it to him. Nobody would say the word corruption, but you did. And then at the next meeting, I hit him again. And then all of a sudden, they decided they were going to fire him over a bogus issue. And you wouldn't believe the number of people who came out in favor of Jim Scully. You, I, I was shocked. They packed like 150, 200 people into that small school committee meeting room. And I looked out and I was like, these people must be on my side. They're going to cheer when I say Jim Scully's a crook. And guess what? They weren't cheering for me. <laughs> they were not cheering for me. So, look, I know DJ's not going to listen, which is good. I actually ho was hoping he wouldn't listen, because then down the road, when bad things start happening to him politically, I can just laugh and go, don't ask me for advice. I tried to tell you this was going to happen. And when you're in the middle of things, and you have people encouraging you, and you have people, and, and, and you're on the front page of the paper, and you're getting the free press, you think this is the way it's always going to be. <laughs> it's not. It's not. But nobody wants, it's funny, I've been doing this now, I've been in politics, I remember the first time I ran for office, I was 18, it was 1985, I was a high school senior. And I won't tell the story because Joe's here, but I, I've been doing this a really long time. I actually do know what I'm talking about on a lot of this stuff. And what's funny is how many people that I try to guide, I, I say, look, there's a landmine over there, you don't want to go over there. And they go over there and they jump up and down in the landmine and blow up anyway. And it's, it's, it's just amazing, like, look, I... I don't live in Methuen. I'm going to say this again. I don't live in Methuen. I don't work in Methuen. I don't get my paycheck from Methuen. I don't have any relatives who work for the city of Methuen. So when I say this stuff, I get no benefit whatsoever. When politicians buy ads in my newspaper, my salary stays the same. So if Neil Perry or Dan Rivera buy a full-page ad in the Valley Patriot, that goes to pay bills for the paper. My salary hasn't changed. In fact, my salary has changed. It's gone down. When COVID hit, I cut, my, I cut my pay in half so I could continue paying my, my drivers. So people who think that like, oh, Tom's making all this money on the politicians and that's why he says this. Someone buys ads, that's why he takes this position. I, make, I don't make one dime more if we double our income tomorrow or we don't. I don't. So I'm free to say whatever I want to say and I'm free to go take any political position that I want. All right, so we got Joe here, and I, I apologize for going a little longer than I thought I was going to go. Uh, in the studio here, we have uh, a guy that I've known for, for a really long time. We've kind of been on the same side of things, and then we're on the opposite side of things. 
um, politically. Uh, he's a politician, which generally I don't like. I generally don't like politicians in general. Um, but he's also someone that in his, in his non-political life is out there helping small businesses and is trying to help in the recovery. So I thought this would be a great time to have him on and promote the Merrimack. He's president of the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce. It is Joe Bevelock. Why, Joe? Hi, Tom. How are you? Well, did you want to weigh in on anything that I said at the beginning no, of the show? No, what I wanted to say was those, those comments were brought to you by Tom Duggan and not, the Mer- <laughs> and not the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce. What's interesting is every guest says the same thing. Isn't that funny how well, they the all chamber, do that? Well, the, the chamber can't be political. The no, chamber can't take positions like that. What the chamber does, what the Merrimack Valley Chamber does is, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Oh, I, thanks I, for I being do here. appreciate it. Thanks for being and, here. And um, listening to your, you know, thank you to your listening audience. Um, the chamber is headquartered in Lawrence, but we serve a regional basis. We're about 1,000 members of the largest chamber and the most effective, most awarded chamber in our region. And what we do is we try to help businesses of all types. And it's not just the big international companies you think about, Tom. It's the small, mid-sized companies, many of whom are family-owned, like one to five, one to ten employees. Um, sometimes they're a couple hundred, you know, sometimes they're five hundred. But the idea is that we want to help everyone in these communities. And one of the things that we've done, especially during the COVID lockdown, has been to provide daily email advisories to each and every one of them so they know where to go for help, where they know where to get help, they know where to talk about financing. We have great links with the Small Business Administration, with the Mass Office of Business and Development, and with the Massachusetts Small Business Development Centers. So if someone needs help, Tom, we can direct, not only direct them, but we actually set up an appointment for them to actually meet wow. and talk face-to-face. That's nice. Today um, and yesterday, we've been sending out advisories on, on the, um, the most recent, you know, PPP grant mm-hmm. program that's coming out, the loan program through the SBA. You know, there's been a lot of confusion as to when it actually opens, when banks are actually able to take applications because there's various I got a lot of questions about that. Yep. That's why I you brought know, you in. I know, but the, um, the SBA is now opening it up on Tuesday the 19th is going to be the critical date that now everyone's going to be able to make an application. Banks will now be able to accept applications. And the idea is that we want to help businesses because right now there is not a lot of assistance out there. We all know that. There's we almost know, no assistance. We know that there, everyone really. everyone has been um, impacted by the COVID. I don't care what kind of business you have, where you are, what you're located. Um, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get that assistance information out there so that people can apply to the SBA. They can apply to their banks. You know, the SBA had the emergency disaster loan. That was through the um, SBA. The banks now will take the applications for the PPP. At the same time, there's a lot of information about employment, unemployment, both in terms of the employer and the employee. We've been getting that information out. And what we've done, Tom, is we've done free webinars weekly, open to anybody. They don't need to be a member of the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce to talk about resources available in terms of financing, in terms of employment, unemployment insurance, the opportunities, all that information. Uh, And at the same time, we help companies with um, women in business programs. We're doing an awful lot, as you know, with veterans, with veterans assistance. We want to help returning veterans who have tremendous skills, men and women veterans, and provide opportunities for them to get either start their own business or provide jobs for them to make connections to them. Women-owned businesses. Is- I've got a guy for you. If you're looking to help veterans, I've got yeah. a guy for you that yeah, can help you, have- help you network with those yeah, veterans. Yeah. I, I know a guy that is helping an awful lot of veterans try to find jobs. That's great. And yeah. he's got, I think he's got a list, like a back list. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. hook you up with my buddy, Randy. Okay. And, uh, because what we've, what we've done is we've done, um, um, we've just last month or so, we did a, a couple months ago, we did a free webinar with veterans. You know, with the SBA, we bring in the veteran service agents from the different cities and towns. So they're connected to us as well. We also bring in two or three different veterans that are actually in business right now. And the other aspect, we're bringing in the, the spouses of veterans. Nice. Because they're impacted as well. Right. So we're doing that. And you know that. You've talked to some of the veterans directly yourself about our efforts. Um, 
At the same time, we're working to help, you know, as I mentioned, a number of businesses um, each and every day, whether it be they sometimes they're looking to find space to grow and expand, which is great news. Sometimes companies are looking to come into an area. We help them find buildings or land. We work with the city or town in terms of the permit issues and all the zoning issues, you know, whatever the case may be. In some cases, we actually will bring them to meet with the mayor or the economic development director to meet so there's a face-to-face connection. And, you know, it, it goes back to companies like, uh, as you know, you know, Sal Apoli from the Riverwalk. Very well. You know, when you Sal- used to advertise with Yes, me. yes. Well, Sal-, Sal- trying, to, trying to get him back, by the way, if you, you? talk to him. Okay. Yeah. All right. But Sal, um, you know, is an example of, of we started working with Sal over a decade ago uh, with just one building, with just one concept. And now Sal owns about 4 million square feet. You know, I, lo- I-, I love Sal. I remember- the building where Salvatore's restaurant is in yes. Lawrence, when I was in high school, I used to work for Merrimack Valley Guard. And I used to, that used to be the place that I guarded. Right. And I used to have to walk from one end of the building to the other. They used to have keys, punch keys. Right. So they knew that you were there checking that door at that time. That door. <laughs> right. And I used to have to walk all four, I think it's four stories, all four stories back and forth, like my whole the oh my last God. three years of high school. So when Sal came in and, and initially said he was going to buy that building and turn it into something, I laughed. Yeah, well, everyone did because it was at that time, Lawrence was at its worst condition. And I give Sal a great deal of credit because Sal really was the key to the renaissance of Lawrence, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But it's an example of a small business person who started out small, who actually grew and created a lot of jobs for his own company. But at the same time, he made it available for other companies to come and locate. Mm-hmm. And now they in turn are growing companies right. and they're growing jobs. So this is, for example, using that one property, you know, there's 240 plus businesses in that complex and they're providing a huge number of jobs, whether it be in finance or education or in healthcare uh, and services. And that's what the Merrimack Valley Chamber does. We hope we host and help everybody. So it doesn't matter if you're a woman-owned company, veteran-owned company, minority-owned company, if you're a manufacturer or a retailer or service-oriented, if you're involved in housing or education or financing, we're going to be the resource for you. And that's what people trust. They use us and know we're a trusted resource for their information. And we continue. They can check us online at www. MerrimackValleyChamber.com, and they can see what we do and how we do it, and if we can help, we're here to help. You, um, what is it? What does it cost to join the Chamber of Commerce? If I'm it's, a business and yes. I'm not a member, no, I understand. You're and, right, and right. mostly become broke right no. now. <laughs> but but if I if I had money, right. if things turn around, what does it cost to join the Chamber? It's three fifteen a year for a base membership, which means that it's like one to five employees is that rate. So it's very it's very affordable. That is and, pretty. That is pretty. Affordable. But let me tell you what we give them. We give you, when you join, we're going to give you, because we want to help you, and, and this is something that we did before COVID as well, we're going to give you a free e-blast to over 2,000 business email addresses. We do an e-blast every, um, every day. You're not giving me the email addresses. You're going to do the no, I, I, well, no, I cannot give out the email addresses, but That's, what we'll do is you give us a flyer. I was almost excited for that. No, no, no. You know, well, you, I know you would be. No, but you give us a flyer, and then we'll email it out, and people get responses off that. They get businesses off that. In fact, we have such success. With our email blast, and it's ninety nine dollars to do one. Um, if you're, you know, if you want to do more than one, obviously, well, you'll pay us. Uh, and people do such well that we have some companies doing four or five or six or seven a year because they're getting results. People are actually reading it because they know it's coming from a trusted source, which is the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce office, and they're getting results. So, so imagine you're going to get, you're going to pay us three fifteen, and immediately. You're going to get a $99 value sent out on your behalf. And so there's a great value to that. Uh, at the same time, what you do is you'll be now available to receive all these free informational webinars and virtual programs we're doing. We've done a couple in the last of the year, uh, a hybrid. We had up to 25. We could have 
no more than 25 people in an outdoor venue. We did 25 people or so and Zoom did um, simultaneous. We're doing um, virtual Zoom uh, meetings um, weekly. We're doing free networking events where you can come, you can call in and say, you know, I'm John, I'm uh, Mary, and, and uh, my company is uh, XYZ Products. Um, we, we're new to the area. We'd like to just let ourselves be known. And um, if you look at the Chamber websites and, and if you look at the Chamber emails we send out, we're doing a lot of these advisories from members who are telling us why they're a member of the Chamber of Commerce and what their business is and how the Chambers help them. So we're doing this. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're on all the social media networks. Uh, we're doing live streaming of programs. Uh, we're live on Facebook, I think, and YouTube. Um, um, I don't handle that aspect, as you can tell. But, um, you know, Michael and Rianne from my office does. And, you know, the idea is that we have to be different today. We're not the chamber that people think about of 20 or 30 years ago. We're completely different. We're very mobile. We're very fast in terms of getting information out. Um, we don't want to string you along. We want to help you. And then if you find, um, like I spoke to the gentleman this earlier this, today, if they find that we help them and they want to join, then we're going to say thank you. Even if, if we can help a company that's not yet a member and they're saying, um, I'm not sure if I will join, that doesn't matter to me. We want to be able to help you. And it's something that's important because today, Tom, as you know, because you're involved in talking to so many businesses, every single business we talk to, and Michael and I met with two other businesses already today, we meet with businesses every day. Primarily, we try to do it in person because that way you get to really hear the story. We hear from every business person, they're so hurting. And there's so much uncertainty, as we, you and I were talking about earlier, they don't know when they can open. So, for all example, right. you take a function hall, and we all have them in the region. They can't book opportunities, right. events, because they can't say to them with certainty, we'll be open in this month. Right. Uh, you talk to the restaurants. How do, how do, you, how do, you, book a, how do you book a wedding? You can't. When you don't even know what the capacity is going to be a month from Absolutely. now. Absolutely. They and can that's, change capacity to 50%. Yes, and that's exactly the problem. So what companies are doing now is they're booking double, they're doing double dates. They're doing a date this year, hoping that they'll be able to open, and then they're op they're booking again the same date in the following, in 2022, because they don't know. Businesses that are manufacturers, businesses that are not essential services, you know, have capacity issues, obviously. They can't bring their full workforce back. So obviously they're not able to be able to pro pro uh, promise to you as a customer, I will get your widget to you March 1st because they're not sure what the capacity is going right. to be. And then they're getting supplies. We had companies, this is a true story. We had, and, and I want to say something about our elected officials, by the way, sure. a positive thing. I, I do too, but not no, so positive. No, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you a positive story. We had a company that was buying a multi-million dollar piece of equipment that was coming in from another state that they needed for their process. And they were actually hiring more employees because they were now going to be able to do something unique with their process. Because of COVID, the product was stopped on the state line. Well. Couldn't come in. And the drivers couldn't come in. Working with, with one of our state legislators, they were able to facilitate access into the state. You know, not doing anything improper, but simply finding the proper paperwork that they had back at their office that they didn't know they needed here. And that's happened to us on more than one occasion. They were coming in over a, a holiday weekend, which gave them three days to actually put this piece of equipment in. And that's happened to us before. I can't tell you, and I mean this in all sincerity, and again, it's not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's, 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 it's can the legislators help us? You know, I can't tell you how many times we call upon our state legislators and our mayors and town managers to help with the business community because many times the businesses 
don't know who the elected officials are. You know who they are, and Ben does, and many of your listeners, but many times these business people are just involved in doing business. Right. They're, they're not, not political. They're not, they're not political at all. Right. But they don't know who to contact, but yet they've got a problem. So that's where we come in, and we'll actually um, have, you know, like, for example, with the mayors and the managers, we'll actually bring them to meet with the company. So the mayor and town manager um, and their economic development director can see for themselves what this company does. So we we believe that we we do it better than anybody, and I mean that sincerely. We bring business and government together proactively, and that's what we do. And that's the same thing is true of the veterans, you know, of the women in business. We do a big program with public safety. You know, we're a real believer in public safety. That's one of the reasons why I like you guys. Well, it's true. This, we do real things. We don't do things to please people. We do things because it's, it makes sense. Right. You know, we need to make sure that we have safe communities. And many of our business people have tremendous investments in their in – their, well, you know, you, you are – in and around industrial parks is a tremendous investment. And we want to make sure the employees are safe going back and forth to work. The employers are safe. Um, the equipment and the building is guided and so on. Um, and so we do a great program with the district attorney, you know, the um, uh, area police chiefs. And they all work together. We try to do everything together. We try to bring them all together because we view this as one region. And we all know that, you know, problems don't stop or begin at a city or town line. They cross over. So we want the legislators to work together. That's why we do the mayors and the town managers with the lieutenant governor together as one program. We do the two members of Congress. We do the state representatives and the speaker together. You know, we do the public safety officials, the police chiefs, our chiefs of police, and um, the uh, district attorney and the sheriff all come in together because they all work together. Um, we do... Um, Everything on a regional basis because that's how business is being done. Now, you, you, because you work with a lot of legislators, you work with mayors, the governor's office, all of that. I, I think maybe as a small business, and my first question, and it's not loaded, it's just it's, it's an actual question because I don't know, um, is why isn't the chamber putting more pressure? On our elected officials to stop all the restrictions and the lockdowns, like we've we, seen, we've seen Florida the most open state in the country, right. they're thriving. And then you see the lockdown states like California and New York, and they're dying. Right. And you would think that the science would tell people, hey, just open up. So, but the, I'd love to see the chamber being on the forefront well, of, of pressuring these politicians to do that. Okay, I can, I can tell you what we do do. Um, there is, um, every other week, there is a, a conference call that we get to, we get to participate with, with the governor's uh, secretariats. And every, you'll, you could ask them right now, call them and say, what does Joey say all the time? And I tell them that we're a different region up here in the up in the Merrimack Valley because we're on the New Hampshire border, and New Hampshire is less restrictive than Massachusetts. And I tell them the impact that we have that they are, that the restrictions are having, they are they are aware of it. Obviously, they we're, we are making some headway. I think we did make some headway in some areas. But I tell them that on every conference, and I'm usually the first caller. I'm usually the first caller. But when you talk to Secretary Keneally, he'll tell you that that we talk about that. We also talk with Secretary Acosta, who's Labor and Workforce Development, and out of that came some of the discussions. Um, with respect to um, the opportunities to um, fight for a lower unemployment insurance tax right now in Massachusetts, the tax is scheduled to go up, you know, up to about 60% increase, which is astronomical. And so we, we're working with them and worked with them and supported them to reduce that because we want to keep it current because obviously right now, any additional tax on business is, is like a death blow. Yeah. And so we have done that. And, and uh, we don't, we're not registered lobbyists. We try to work behind the scenes if we can, but we have definitely gotten our information out to them. We've told them about the, the number of small businesses that we know of that have uh, been impacted, that have closed. You know, you know, and, and we're seeing something that's kind of different right now. We're seeing a number of small and mid-sized businesses not just, not close permanently, but shut down because of the restrictions because they can't open and make it effective economically. Um, but as, 
I think when this is all over, and I said this at a meeting the other day, I think we're going to be surprised when we see how many small businessmen and women have actually closed for good. For good, because yeah. they, they just can't come back. And, I came close twice. Yeah. I and came it's, close it's tough, twice. isn't it? You know, and, and what keeps you going is your personal drive. I mean, that's right. what keeps people because. What, why well, I tell- well, it keeps me going is I, I, don't, I don't want my enemies to ever be happy about me going out of business. <laughs> so I think about guys like Steve Saber dancing on my, uh, dancing on my, my business grave, and I say, okay, now i got to get 10 more ads. Yeah. Well, well, the reality is that the reason why I, t- I tell people this all the time, why business is important. Business is important because that's where the jobs are. Right. That's where the private sector jobs are. And so when your kids, your son or daughter who may be in school or who may be going to trade school right now, vocational school, you know, ultimately you want them to work either in their own business or mm-hmm. you want them to work for a business. So it's important to keep business going. That also provides a huge number of taxes. You know, and, and obviously they provide products and services. One of the things that Neil Perry did in Methuen, I'd like to see all mayors do, and you can certainly advise um, Mayor Ferentini and others that you work with. Yep is he waived the licensing renewal fees for small businesses. Yeah, tremendous idea. Not the big ones. Yeah. But if you've got a small business like TGI Fridays, Miller's Tavern, um, Methuen Family Restaurant, you know, they're not even really fully open yet, and yet they've got their renewals are coming up. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do I pay yeah. for another license if I don't even know if I'm going to be open yeah. next week? And, and so Neil just waived it. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea. In fact, what, what Methuen's also creating a small business fund to help grants. You give grants to small businesses. Um, Andover, North Andover, doing something similar to that. You know, they're all using, they're all using some of their funding um, to different ideas. You know, no one's, no one is consistent in terms of that. But the idea is that they want to try to provide some assistance to the small business community. And I tell everyone, you know, that's one reason why we're we're out so much talking to businessmen and women. We tell everyone in the business community, apply for whatever you see. Because you don't know what's coming next. You right. know, there's always a lot of hope that there's going to be something more coming later. But you don't know if that's going to come or what restrictions will be on it. So the idea is to apply for as much as you can right now, where you can get it, and take advantage of whatever is available. And right now, right now, the hot thing, uh, and again, I urge every business across the country, if your podcast goes that far, to go to their lender that does SBA financing and talk about the PPP because the, the what they call their portal, the application portal, the banks can actually make the applications is going to be open, uh, they tell me, on the 19th. And I would just apply because a lot of people are going to apply and a lot of people are going to get funding. And I'm just fearful that there may be so many applications there won't be enough money. Right. So there's maybe another round. We don't know that. But again, so at least now we know that's there. And then the um, the other thing is to talk to your local, um, depending on where you're located, talk to us if you're located in our area. But but you know, talk to your local business organization or chamber or, or the, the economic development office in, in the, your city or town. Because people are there to have help, and they know of a number of resources. We're linked. We're literally like the hub of a wheel, Tom. So if you picture the hub of a wheel, that's us. We don't, we're not every other agency, but it, there are very few questions we can't find an answer for you. There are very few people that we can't connect you with. There are very few people that we can't say, this company needs help with this particular issue. So the other issue we're involved in is with exporting. You know, a number of small companies, not just the mega companies, but a number of small companies export their product overseas. So um, we're involved in helping them with exporting of their products. We work very closely with the Canadian Consul Generals because obviously Canada is is America's largest trading partner. So we want to make sure that if companies are doing business back and forth, that we help them if we can. And we do that with uh, certificates of origin and other information. We bring the Canadian Consul General to a chamber event every Uh year. You know, so we're involved in a number of things, whether it be nonprofits, we help nonprofits. We do a nonprofit series because there are, as you know, there are a huge number of nonprofits in and around our region. And they're really dying. Yeah, you know they're getting hit hard. You know, and um, you know what's happening. What's happening right now is 
because of the slowdown in business, you know, a number of the businesses that were able to make some very generous um, donations are obviously lower right now. Mm -hmm. And so obviously that has an impact to the nonprofit. So we're helping nonprofits. As I mentioned, we're doing a great deal of veterans uh, programs, women in business. Um, we're doing a number of, uh, we're trying to equate people with the Hispanic business market. So we're doing some minority business assistance programs. We want to let the, the population know how to do business with the Hispanic population, which is growing in, in the business community. You know, we're doing programs. The other program that is really taken off has been um, um, the program called uh, Next Generation Leaders for young people in business. Because right now, a number of our businesses are aging in terms of the owners, the ownership. And, you know, many of them are family-owned businesses, and they're going to pass the business on to their kids, their sons, sons or daughters. And so we want to help those business, young businessmen and women of all types, not just professionals, but they could be tradespeople, you know, they could be plumbers and carpenters, electricians, who we encourage as well to be part of our chamber, to get involved and understand how, how you link with business, how you link with government, how you link with banks for financing applications, all that stuff. You know, how you do the social networking. So we do a tremendous next generation leaders program for young people in business. So it doesn't matter what kind of company you are. You know, you don't need to be a professional in a suit and tie. You know, you could be a tradesman. You could be um, a service person. You could be uh, literally anything, restaurant, coffee shop. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of company you are. You don't need to be a mega company. Um, in fact, we changed our focus from like the mega industries to the small, mid-sized companies and family-owned business. We do a tremendous recognition program. for. Sm we want to recognize every year small and family-owned businesses. In fact, we received the first ever Family Business Advocacy Award issued by this organization statewide. Nice. Because we, we advocate for family-owned businesses. We, we received the United States Small Business Administration's Massachusetts Director's Award for our work for small business in Mass. And we received the recognition plaque from the National Administrator of the Small Business Administration because of our, we were recognized in Washington for the work we do with small business. And we also received, you know, a number of other uh, awards. We are, uh, we also have a, what's called our clean energy program to help companies become energy conservative, to help them save money on energy usage, which allows them to put money back in employees, employee training, uh, and equipment. And so we received uh, from uh, an organization called the Northeast Economic Development Association, the New England-wide uh, Program of the Year Award because of our energy programs. We, we didn't go on. We didn't go knocking on businesses' doors saying we're here to conserve, we're here to restrict you, we're here to help you save. And the approach that we took, which is to work together, um, made a very, very successful program. So we do energy assistance programs. We do an energy and environmental conference every year. We received from the EPA, the federal EPA, their Environmental Merit Award for New England was awarded at, the, at Fannel Hall because of our approach to work with business on environmental issues and energy issues. You know, that's the approach we take. That's why our chamber's been so successful because we work together and we don't agree on everything, but we work together and we want to help people. And the bottom line is at the end of the day, can we say we helped you? Um, in the Lawrence Industrial Park, we helped working with a, a company, uh, a couple of company leaders um, on the federal, um, on, on the um, freight train tracks to get those reactivated so mm -hmm. they can bring product in and out by freight. You know, it's, it doesn't matter what the issue is. We're going to be there to help. And, um, you uh, know, uh, if we can help, we're here to help. Uh, I'm a small business. Yeah. Um, I don't know who to call, right? So I heard that in the, in the latest stimulus that actually got passed. Yes. That there was um, extra help in there for the media, for small newspapers, independently owned newspapers, independently owned radio stations. Do I call my congressman? Like, how do I get that? How do I, would I call? How do um, I get that? We have a contact in our office. I'll, if you call me, I'll give you the telephone number. Um, and I would call the SBA office first. I, I would call first your bank 
Because the bank right now, the bank right now has all the information from the SBA. So it's really the banks that because on, they're on doing the, P, the lending on the PPP, okay. right? They're the ones that do the lending. They're the ones. That, what's going to happen is that they're going to tell you what information you're going to need. You're going to have to document like your revenue loss, and I know you can do it, but you're going to have to document your revenue loss. You know the expenditures you've made. For example, like for personal protection equipment, um, any way any expenses you've had. For example, like for some of the um, unique ways in which you're promoting your, your product now. And they're going to tell you, here's what you have to document for us. And then they're going to make you available to uh, the loan if, if, in fact, you comply. But I would start with your local bank that does this. They just have to be SBA preferred, uh, what they call a preferred lender, which means they've done business with the SBA. And um, let the, I would start there. And then if not, we also have an SBA contact for you. So if you're a regular business out there, you're a mom and pop store, you own your own hair salon, your first call should be to your lender. The first call should be to your lender, and uh, they will be the ones. Um, my guess is that some of them are going to tell you we're not yet open for the portal. What they call a portal from the SBA is not yet open, but they can at least let you know that it's coming. You know, mm -hmm. when, and we're told, uh, based on something I read today, that the SBA portal will open to the banks for all the banks. Uh, they've been restricted as to who can go in uh, for the last, last couple of days. But we're told that on the 19th, which is Tuesday, the 19th, the day after the holiday, they're all going to be open. So I would call your lend I would call them right away. I would say, and I, and I know that the banks want to help you. We've talked to a number of banks already in credit unions. You know, they want to help because it's, it's good public policy to help with this. So I would call them. And as far as grants go, like stuff for the media, oh, I know that um, they just did a... Um there's a special, I guess, some kind of grants if you're a hair salon, if you're a bodega, like the small businesses. Right, yeah. Uh, that was the first round. I mean, there was the Mass Growth Capital Commission, you know, um, has um, a special grant application, you know, for those for those types of companies, minority-owned, special, unique kind of companies. But another another call is this, is, you know, we use an organization called the Massachusetts Office of Business and Development. Um and what they do is they're also able to tell you about the state programs that are available. See, that's one thing that we do. We don't want to be the one that tells you all this stuff because we don't know all the details, but we have a link to the SBA. We have you can refer to, people to- Absolutely. We right. have a link to the Mass Office of Business and Development. We have a link to the Mass Small Business Development Center, which can do, do English or Spanish uh, uh, consultation. Um, and uh, before COVID, they would use our office. We let them use our office as a resource center so that they would come in and, and meet with whoever wanted to come and meet. Now they do it um, primarily by phone or by Zoom. But um, no, there's all these resources. That's why you should do one of two things in your community. You know, talk to obviously your local chamber, but also talk to the local economic development office or planning office in your community. And then make calls to like people like um, the SBA office or the other or the small business development centers or to your bank and have the bank become a referral to you. But bankers we're talking to are very educated and uh, they've just been waiting for the information. Wouldn't it be great if there was like a customer service center for all this? Like when they spent, when they decided to spend trillions of dollars to do this, yeah. if they had just set up like a a customer service, so like regular small businesses, a guy owns a pizza shop, right. can call and just say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Right. This is what I need. Can you just tell and, me where to go? Well, and that's why what, what they've done is on these, like, for example, on these semi, uh, every other week conference calls, what they've told us is uh, they've asked us to do that communication outward. And so what happens is that uh, many people are using their, like they're using their own accounting firms for information. They have the information. They're talking to their lawyers. They have the information. So there's a whole host of information out there and, and resources depending upon who you want to talk to. But um, the problem is this, Tom, and this is what I've come to learn. This came out so fast. You know, this COVID relief, the initial relief program came out so fast. And it is such a, 
extensive amount. It's never been done before to this level. So that they literally just got it out so quickly. I give them credit for doing it. Um, it was a perfect no, but was it helpful? Yes. I mean, there, there are a number of companies that I've talked to that wouldn't have survived without getting that basic relief. And then they're holding on because they knew there was a second round coming. Mm-hmm. So, All right, so it looks like uh, you've, got a, run. you've got a run. I yeah. appreciate you being no, here. No, I, I appreciate that. And, and We uh, could have done another hour with I know you. We, I know we could. And, you know, um, um, like, as I mentioned, the first half was brought to you by Tom Duggan. The That's latter okay. half was brought to you by Nobody the Nobody will hold it against you. <laughs> I appreciate you being here, no, Joe. No, I, I appreciate you inviting me. All right, Joe Bevilacqua from the Chamber of Commerce. Love Joe Bevilacqua. www.merrimackvalleychamber.com. They've also got a couple of events coming up, a public safety breakfast forum, uh, what you need to know for your business and home. Uh, confirm speakers. Some of the older ones. Oh, this is an old one? Yeah. Oh, this is from last. Okay, I see. He says that this is, old, this is, this is an old one. Um, but, but they are doing more. They're doing webinars. They're doing meetings. Um, so contact your Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce. Ask for Joe Bivalacqua or ask for his son or ask for Michael. Uh, there'll be uh, plenty of people there that can help you out. Um, I, I know that with this huge package that they just pushed through, this huge, um, and Joe alluded to it, um, it's very complicated. And if you're a regular guy, like if you're, if you're a guy that owns a pizza shop, you know a lot about pizza, right? You know a lot about pizza. You know a lot about making French fries. You know a lot about your customers. You don't probably know an awful lot about federal regulations on PPP loans, right? Especially since they're making it up as they go along. Um, I expect the one good thing from the Democrats taking control of all three houses is that we're going to get a $2,000 stimulus like immediately. I was hoping, as I said at the beginning of the show, they were going to do that before like impeaching a guy that's going to be gone in 20 minutes. It makes absolutely no sense. But I, I'm hoping that once the, once the Democrats are done being drunk with power um, and done kicking Donald Trump on his way out the door... That what they'll do is that they'll that they will pass a two thousand dollar stimulus. Think about this. What did we get? What was the first stimulus? I've been saying six hundred, but I think it was twelve. First right? one was twelve hundred. Second one so far is six hundred. Six hundred, which I still haven't gotten yet. So the first one was twelve hundred. This one is six hundred. That's uh, with my Lawrence High math count on my fingers. That's eighteen hundred dollars in a year. That's like nine dollars a week to live on, right? I mean, please don't do the math and tell me I was wrong. I was estimating, but. Because everybody has to be so exact. Whenever I say something, it's not exact. It's like Neil Perry. Got to stop the discussion to make it exact. Um, but think about that. $9 a week. This is what your government, your government, Democrats, by the way, and Republicans, sent billions of dollars of your money to Jordan, Pakistan, Egypt, South Korea, and then gave you $9 a week. And to me, it shows that none of our politicians of either party give two shits about the average person and the economic devastation. It's almost as if they want more economic devastation because it helps them consolidate their power. I was hoping, I was really hoping that the first thing that they did was to give us more money. That's what Joe Biden promised you. Not that we're going to find out in the next four years that nothing he promised us is ever going to happen because he's a politician. Um, But I was hoping. And really, it should be more than 2,000. Um, I, my editorial this month is attacking, of course, it happened the day before the riot on the Capitol, but my, my, my editorial in this month's Valley Patriot, which you should get, it's, all, it's on the street, get your Valley Patriot, um, is attacking the, the Republicans for saying no in the last round of COVID discussions. 
I mean, the, the, the Democrats, of course, because Democrats just love spending money. So they wanted to give us like $2,000. Donald Trump was also on board with giving us $2,000. The Republicans in the Senate are the ones that said no. Well, now they're not in power anymore. And in a way, I'm kind of glad they're not in power anymore. Because they were just being obstruction. And, you know, I used to be a Republican. I used to believe when Republicans said, well, we're just being fiscally conservative. I used to believe them when they were saying, we're just worried about the future. We're worried about tomorrow's bills that come in. We're borrowing too much money. Until you look at how many billions of dollars they're spending on not us, right? $10 million for a study of a, uh, a yellow-bellied turtle in Arizona, right? A billion dollars for a study to see how snails mate, okay? While people are dying, while people are being losing their jobs, losing their businesses, losing their life savings, suicides are up, drug use is up, alcohol use is up, depression is up, use of opioids is up. You guys are spending a billion dollars on studying turtles and snails. You guys are spending billions of dollars on Pakistan, Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, South Korea, and every other country in the friggin' planet, except for us. This is our tax money that we pay the government to take care of us. That's what they should have done. Now I'm waiting. Now they've got this, they shot their load. They got the impeachment done. They can run around with bragging rights. Oh, he's the only one that was impeached twice, as if anybody cares. And the other thing that I always find amusing with Democrats, um, Sharon Pollard's friends are always saying things like, you're on the wrong side of history. Well, first of all, you have no frigging clue how history is going to judge you. Do you think Abraham Lincoln thought when he freed the slaves that someday a statue of him freeing the slaves would be offensive to some people and they'd be ripping it down in Boston? Do you think Abraham Lincoln ever even thought for a minute that history would judge what he did badly? No. So, please spare me this history is going to judge you on the wrong side of history. You have no friggin' clue how history is going to be judging what's going on right now. This country in 50 years, in 20 years, could take a hard turn to the right. We could become very fascist. We could take a hard turn to the left. We could become very communist. And by the way, I think that left and right are wrong. I'm using, I'm using what people think is left and right, because Nazism is actually left. It's, it's not right. Um, but for political purposes, so that people can maintain power, we pretend that fascism is on the right. And colleges teach your kids that fascism is on the right. And I always, I find, and we'll wrap up with this, but I always find it funny when I say left-wing fascists, you can always tell who the brainwashed college grads are on Facebook. Because there's always one guy that'll come on and say, well, see, now you're showing your stupidity because fascism is not right, it's not left-wing, it's right-wing. Well, right, because that's what you were taught. But it's abstract, right? It doesn't really mean anything. It was made up. It was made up by somebody somewhere, and then it got taught in a school. But if you think about like left-wing, right-wing, and I always go back to Prager because he said this about 15 years ago, and I never forgot it. And that's it. The further to the left you go, the more government control you have. And the further to the right you go, the less government control you have. So Nazism can't be on the right, Okay. So if you, if you think about it, you have like liberals, and then you have like socialists, and then you have fascism and communism. And on the right, you've got conservatism, then you've got like libertarianism, and then you've got what, what most people put on the left, anarchy. So people think anarchists are on the left. They're not. They're on the right. People think that Nazis are on the right. They're not. They're on the left. Once you actually put a, time, once you actually put a timeline together of what the left and right actually are, all of this makes way more sense. It makes way more sense. 
So let's hope that next week when I come in, we'll be talking about another COVID relief plan, another COVID relief package. And yes, I am a conservative. I'm not a Republican, but I am a conservative. I'm a very conservative person. However, um, I would be happy if they gave us $5,000. i would be happy if they gave us $10,000. I don't give two shits about tomorrow's bill. You know why? I spent my whole teenage years listening to how Ronald Reagan was running up the debt and our our grandchildren were going to be stuck with the bill. That it was going to destroy the economy in 25 years because of all this debt that we ran up. And then Clinton came along and paid it all off in four years. Okay? So, as far as I'm concerned, everything I've been told that I used to believe by the Republican Party, by the conservatives, by libertarians... I used to believe it. I don't believe it anymore. And everything that we're being told by the Democrats on the left, that's obvious total bullshit because nothing that they really say they believe, they really believe. If they did, they would be behaving differently. And I'll give you like 10 examples. On the one hand, Donald Trump's an evil Nazi. On the other hand, while he's president, please turn in all your guns to the evil Nazi. Right? Uh, On the one hand, there's no difference between men and women. On the other hand, COVID relief vaccines are going to go to women first. Well, wait a minute. I thought there was no difference between men and women, right? All these SBA loans are going to go to minority-owned people. But I thought, I, I thought being a minority was just what I self-identify as. I self-identify as a half Eskimo, half lesbian hippo. And therefore, I should get... A, here's, here's something that everybody can do if you really hate all this political correct bullcrap, and we'll end with this. Because I've been thinking about this an awful lot for the last couple of weeks, only because I'm really crazy and, and strange. LBGTQ. L-G-B-T-Q. You hear that an awful lot. And what it means is lesbian, bisexual, transgender, gay. And what's the Q? Queer. No. Come on. I thought you had this. Q is questioning. Questioning. So here's the thing. If I'm questioning my sexuality, I, I, I qualify. So, hmm, I think I'll question my sexuality. And then fill out a form. And then get a free loan or a free grant, or some other free stuff that's being given out to LGBTQ. And I don't know how you can make that any... They should just call it the Not Straight White Men Group, is what they should say. Everybody but straight white men. That's what they should call it. Because that's, that's, that's where this is going. LBGTQ, I don't know. Um, but if you're just questioning your sexuality... Like, how do you prove that you're questioning your sexuality? Like, how is that... How do, you, how do you give benefits to somebody who can just declare that they're that thing? Right? Like, how do you prove someone's gay? You can't prove someone's gay, right? If I say I'm gay, people are just going to have to accept that I'm gay. They're not going to follow me home and see if I'm having sex with men, right? So why, why, are, why are we giving special government benefits to a group that you can just willingly join? Like, you can't stop being black. That I get. You, you can't stop being Latino or Asian. That I get. I guess you could have plastic surgery maybe and, and, and look different, but you're still black. You're still Asian. You're still Irish, whatever it is you are. But LGBTQ, you can change that whenever you feel like it. Like I, We had a guy uh, that I grew up with. I won't say his name. He was like the biggest womanizer we knew growing up. He turned out he was gay and that he was just faking it the whole time. And we were shocked. Like, how did, how did we miss that? And since you really can't tell... Who's gay, who's not gay, who's bisexual, who's not bisexual, who's questioning, who's not questioning. I check that box every time I fill out a form. Any form I get, if it says I use part of a protected class, and I look for the LGBT, and I look if there's a Q, if there's a Q, I check it. Because I'm questioning, I'm just, I'm not sure. Do I like, do I like women, or do I like five women? Right? I'm just questioning that. Do I want to have sex with one woman or five women? 
Do I have one of sex with five women or two women? I don't know. I'm just questioning. God, life's tough for Tom. And now that I'm questioning, I, I think that we all qualify for all of these special government set-aside things. So, all right, I guess you can roll that up. One of the guys sponsors, I think. Not too sure they want to thank me today. I don't thank my sponsors. Clear Path New England for Veterans. EIS Investigations. And you can get your gun training there at EIS Investigations, so you should probably go there if you want your gun permit. Who else do we have? Borelli's Deli, which is where I'm going on my way when I leave here. Uh, not Climate Designs. Who else do we have? Who's on our list? Uh, uh, climate Designs. What, Century 21, McLennan and, and Company. Marsan and Son. Marsan and Son. We love Ronnie Marsan. Maybe we can get him in next week. I think I have an open week next week. I, I'm trying really hard to get like a super guest for next week. I, I just... I have a feeling he said yes, but I have a feeling it's just not it's too good of a guest to actually have. So you know at the last minute it's not gonna work, so I'm trying to book somebody as as a secondary. Dan Shibelia loves to make comments on Facebook, doesn't he? And he loves to shoot from the hip. He loves to hide behind the bushes and shoot in. So I've invited him on the show and his excuse was, Oh, I have to work during the day. Fine, we'll accommodate your schedule. We want to have you on the show. I want you to say live. What you say on Facebook, let's see how brave you are. All right, so, uh, all right, thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to give you the full song. Just let the whole full song no play, problem. Out, play out. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank everybody. If you'd like to advertise in the Valley Patriot, please give us a call. Uh, we're trying to stay in business while we're trying to help other small businesses stay in business. And also the Merrimack Valley Chamber of Commerce, www. Uh, MerrimackValleyChamber.com uh, Thank you Ben Kitchen Thank you Dave Garofalo Our, our uh, fine fine owner here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe We'll see you guys next week The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.